0: You are listening to Forging Employee Experience. I'm Josh Green, joined here by Alexander Noren. How are you, my friend?
1: Doing so well. Really, really great day for a podcast.
0: It is. It is a perfect day with the perfect guest. We are here with Christine Comiford. How are you?
2: I am awesome. How are you guys?
0: We're just so great. We are coast to coast today. We are in Boston, and you are way over in San Francisco, but I, I feel so close to you right now. Connection. <laughs> it's the
2: love. <laughs> it's the love <laughs> <of> energy.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for jumping on the show with us today. Let me tell you a little bit more about Christine. She is a businesswoman, serial entrepreneur, and author of several books, including Smart Tribes, which was a bestseller on the New York Times and Amazon. She has founded and sold five businesses, has been a board member for more than thirty-six startups and has invested in over two hundred companies. The more we learn about her, the more we fangirl. <laughs>
3: That's so C-
0: true, Kristen. What else do we need <laughs> to know about you? Uh, you know, maybe your job at Apple or Microsoft or.
2: Oh gosh, I was, I was a yeah, I was an engineer at um, at Microsoft. Um, gosh, back in the eighties. And what was interesting it kind of, I think about that was windows was, our job was to make windows a world standard. So yay, it worked. So <laughs> well, if you I love windows, them. then you're welcome. And if you hate windows, then I'm sorry. So, <laughs> um, but I came there um, after being uh, a Buddhist monk for seven years. So kind of from one monastery to, you know, another, frankly, mm-hmm. you know, Microsoft mm-hmm. kind of was one. Different
0: <laughs> chapels of worship.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, Yeah, just been working with companies, helping them grow, doing executive coaching, organizational development, helping people become emotionally resilient. We really focus in three areas. We bring neuroscience, the latest neuroscience research. We map the stuff that we think is useful down to really practical tools. We'll talk about some of those today. And we apply those tools, our clients apply them uh, to employee engagement to get 22% plus Uh, Increased profit per employee, 67 to 100% greater engagement. One of my favorite, 35 to 50% more productivity. Mm. When that human being is like connected and happy, they just crank out the work and they don't have sick days and they have an awesome attitude. And then we apply it to leadership to get leaders five to 15 more hours per week so they can focus on strategic stuff and get out of the weeds. A bunch of other stuff there for leadership, sales and marketing, we apply it there so that we can have marketing messages that are 300% plus more effective and close close sales 50% faster, harvest 44% more pipelines. So, you know, neuroscience makes the difference. If we can tap into the most primal part of the brain and bring safety, belonging, and mattering in whatever context, right, sales and marketing, leadership, culture then we can actually help that human being get into what we call the smart state, which is where the three key parts of the brain are working together and they're engaged and collaborative and innovative and they're seeing the cool future they wanna create and the steps towards that versus what we call the critter state. We try to make it a little bit fun. So Mm -hmm. critters like a little animal, you know, fight flight free, safe or not, dead or not, stressed out, right? So that's, that's what we do. We help people create smart tribes. Mm. And our latest book, Power Your Tribe, helps people really navigate all the ups and downs of emotions that we see today in the world.
0: And that's one thing I love about your platform is that it's so emotionally driven. It's such a central focus to what you're doing. Uh, we, we, we were very appreciative for you to do an interview with us at WorkHuman. And one of the things you said right out of the gates were humans are emotional beings. And we should treat them that way. No, This idea of no emotions in the workplace is actually getting in the way of being more productive. Productive. So, how do you help organizations move from this, get your work done, don't cry, don't feel these emotions, <laughs> it to it's okay to feel what you're feeling, let's let it out and, and let's move forward?
2: Yes. Okay. Well, that brings me right to resistance, right? Because that's where we usually get in trouble. Um, something happens uh, outside of us, right? Right and you know somebody says something or a policy changes or there's a reorg or whatever and we can either resist it, grr, you know, and push against it or we can consent saying okay, this is what's happening mm. and now what would I like? And so what, one of the tools that we really love is the emotion wheel and we've created this kind of colorful wheel where in the center Think of like a pie, right? In the center are six slices, mad, sad, scared, peaceful, powerful, joyful. And then through each kind of expanding from each slice, if you will, are all the different emotions kind of that feed into that. So for scared, for instance, one of the most common things I hear you guys is overwhelmed. I ask people, how are you? They say overwhelmed. That's actually part of insecure and anxious, which is part of scared. So they're actually scared, you Mm. know? When they're overwhelmed. So, we want to first help people. A lot of our clients post the emotion wheel all over their office because then people can say, How are you? Wow, you know, I'm really frustrated. Mm. Ah, okay. Um, what specifically? That's called the meta model. What specifically? Specifically is a great word. We don't say exactly because often people code the word exactly as a test.
3: Mm. They don't want to get the wrong
2: answer. So, mm. what specifically mm-hmm. is frustrating about this? Well, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Ah, thank you. And now, what would you like? So first, we find out what their emotional experience is. Hey, how are you feeling? And then we consent to it. We don't make it wrong. Well, you shouldn't feel blah, 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 right? Because that's not a good idea. That's that's not honoring somebody's experience. If we meet them where they are, oh yeah, What what is frustrating about that specifically? We start to unpack what their experience is. Then we're now next to them and with them. And then we can say, ah, okay, and now, what would you like? And then we can use a tool like the outcome frame, which is a series of questions, holler if you want to know them now, to guide them to what we call the desired state, where they see the glorious future. They actually step into it as a result of these questions because they fire visual auditory kinesthetic cues in the person's brain. And at the end of the conversation, the person has, test, has done a test drive of that. Desire state has said, oh, this feels a heck of a lot better than being frustrated. I'm, I'm going to go create that."
1: That is incredible, and I, I'm sitting here thinking, I, I need this not only maybe in my work but also my personal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all do, <laughs> right? Seriously, <laughs> Try to be I use
2: to... outcome frames all the time. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and 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 everything you just said makes sense, and it and it's really connecting. I think because you know emotions like uh, like you mentioned are they're so integral and so part of who we are that to try and ignore them or work around them or, or push them away is kind of nonsensical because why would you push away part of who you are? It's like not using your hands. I don't want to use it, my hands are getting in the way. Like, no one would ever say that. You know, emotions you know, when, when channeled and, and understood and properly analyzed I think can, can be very powerful. So mm-hmm. how, how do we tie this emotional um, intelligence into the the sphere of engagement. How you uh, with with the, uh, good, the, the background good. of of this this emotional intelligence. How would you define engagement?
2: Okay, so so for starters, let's just make sure for those listening if they're like, what the heck, emotional engagement? So <laughs> so people hear about emotional engagement and then excuse me, um, emotional intelligence. And if you read all the emotional intelligence books, which I have, they basically say uh, change your emotions. And I'm like, yeah, if people could, they would have already. Right. um So emotional intelligence books kind of irritate me. Um, mm-hmm. There are two tracks to emotional intelligence, just for a quick summary. The personal competence, which means um two parts uh, being aware of what your emotion is, which I just mentioned. And guys, only 36%, if you look at the latest uh, research from Travis Bradbury, only 36% of us know what we're feeling at any given time, which is why the emotion wheel is so important. And guys, we're going to um, put these on the show page so that everybody can see what we're talking about.
3: Absolutely. So,
2: first, Um, Emotional competence, personal competence, I know what I'm feeling, and then emotional regulation. Oh, you know what? I'm feeling really angry, so maybe I won't send that flame email right now okay so awareness of your emotions and then regulating them choosing not to you know act on them if you're not in one of those you know productive ones second social competence being able to be aware of what people's emotions are paying attention to that asking them etc and then being able to navigate okay so first that's what emotional intelligence is so it's really helpful to first say wow am i working on my personal competence or do I need to work more on my social competence? Mm. So first, we get awareness around that so we know where to focus. Okay? And then second, engagement is actually, if we're just going to geek out, but and I do want to go back to the outcome frame in a sec. Engagement is is really, if you look physiologically, what it is, it's the experience of the firing of the release of one hormone and two neurotransmitters. And the hormone is oxytocin, the bonding hormone, the feeling connected with someone. Everybody experiences oxytocin on a regular basis. If you just hug somebody you know, for a few seconds, you're gonna get a little dose. If you hug somebody for 20 seconds, don't do this in the workplace, it's awkward, it's a little bit too long, okay? Do this at home, okay? When hugging for 20 seconds, um, you're gonna to totally be flooded with oxytocin. You guys have experienced it. That- when you when you come into like a group right and everyone's like collaborating and connecting it's it's that bonding hormone mm. okay so oxytocin and then next um serotonin feel good so you get the oxytocin flowing and boom neurotransmitter serotonin is fired and now everyone's feeling really good and feeling kind of a little bit high okay then boom dopamine and in, in decent doses not like excessive you know computer game dopamine but dopamine is the neurotransmitter. It does a lot of things, but one key thing is it it inspires uh, reward-motivated behaviors. So if we start putting a lot of um, uh, social status, you know, status around people who are really accountable, and it feels really good to be accountable. We're going to create more accountability in our company. So we want to look at how, what are we doing to create those bonding rituals, okay, oxytocin, that will then help people feel good, serotonin, and then how do we reward people in a way that we inspire them to do the behaviors that they want because those behaviors feel so good.
1: Amazing. I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm, my brain has to catch up to everything you just said. <laughs> we're, we're, we're diagramming this on our yeah. notes right now.
3: Trying to
1: try yeah. to make sure it all makes sense. I I love that because oh, you know, th- this definition of engagement is is one that actually has a a, a scientific backing here. You know, it's it's this idea of if if these things are happening, then then you're engaged. Um, and and my my question is then. A big part of trying to drive up that engagement is understanding where you are to begin with. So, what's interesting about the definition of engagement that you gave, it sounds very difficult to then measure. Um, You know, I think some of the popular tools out there—we have the the survey-based platforms and the um, you know potentially reward and recognition platforms—all trying to this idea of of measuring engagement, but based off what we just talked about, it it sounds like they all fall short because they don't have the depth to measure those, those responses, you know, I mean, so, so how then, how do we do it? How do we understand how engaged our workforce is enough so that we can start, we have a starting point to dr- drive positive change?
2: Okay, cool beans. Um, so, so, so here's, here's the thing. Um, engagement. In our experience, and this is from a thousand companies of all different sizes, okay, so that's, that's who I'm talking about here, um, and it's across the planet, primarily, though, in North America, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, engagement, we have found, comes down to 10 questions. You can gauge it within 10, with 10 questions. The first three are about safety, because if a person doesn't have the emotional experience of safety, forget it. Engagement's right. out the window. The second three questions are around belonging, right? Oxytocin, connected to others, feeling like we have equal value, feeling like we fit in and we're part of the tribe. Okay. Belonging, really important. And then the next three questions are about mattering, being um, appreciated and acknowledged for our unique gifts. We're not a cog in a wheel. We're not easily replaceable. We are unique. Okay. And then the last question is just, you know, good old net promoter. You know, would you recommend that your friends work here? know, Mm, And when we, when our clients ask these 10 questions and, oh, and let's also make this really easy, right? 10 questions, 10 possible points each. Everybody understands a 100 point scale. You know, now you know if you have a C or a D or a B you know, and, and where you are. And what's cool about this is that since you have these three safety, belonging, mattering sections, you don't tell people, you just give them the 10 questions and you see how they answer. Then you can easily see based on the scores, do we need to do more work on belonging? Do we need to do more work on safety? Do we need to put some cultural rituals in place for mattering? Then you pick up our latest book, Power Your Tribe, and you understand how to do this by going to, um, chapter six and seven and you go oh great okay cool i know exactly how to get everybody you know together so actually i should say five probably five and six help you most so mm-hmm. five helps you set up the survey six helps you unpack the survey and you go oh cool we, we need some belonging we need some mattering so we're going to do um these high fives we're going to do individual development plans um we're going to do a star campaign um, we're gonna do uh, leadership lunches, great, cool. You know, Then we know the recipe. Then in, I have to tell you, usually it's nine months just because it takes a while to uh, roll the programs out, see the results, then you test people against. So they don't get survey fatigue. Our clients mostly do their SBM index, safety belonging mattering index, every nine to 12 months. And then you see, oh, cool, wow, we went up here. But here's the important thing, when you run the survey, you wanna have a unique link for each department. Right. Because you need to see if the guys in sales need some mattering, but the guys in engineering really need some safety mm-hmm. so you want to slice and dice it. We find that that works really great mm.
1: so so I guess if I can if I can dig, dig a little deeper into that if, if you don't yeah. mind, you know we, we, Go for we, it. you mentioned earlier that only thirty six percent of people are aware of their emotions, so okay. when, when we talk about pulling information from from the workforce. Uh, it, it almost sounds to me like we're saying hey we need you to better understand we need you to understand if you feel safe if you feel like you belong if you feel like you matter um and then interpret that onto this 1 to 10 scale do you do you think that folks have a hard time doing that as as oh. which which then which then might lead to you know worst case scenario only 36% of the respondents are responding accurately and the rest is guesswork um what what do you find there
2: yeah Good, good. Okay. Great question. Sorry. Let me be more clear. Um, You're just asking them a question. Okay. Um, So here's one. It's safe to try new approaches, to innovate, to be vulnerable, to share my ideas at work. Okay. That's a question you're asking them. They don't need to know that that's one of the safety questions. Okay. You're just asking them questions. When I make a mistake, I'm corrected with respect and the desire to help me improve. And they're answering um, whatever, however you guys like to do it. Most of our clients put words on it, you know? Sure. Um, uh, never, rarely, somewhat consistently, consistently, always. Of course, right. For example. Right. So as you ask them these questions, I understand the expectations of me and my performance. I'm motivated by and find meaning in the company's mission, vision, values. So you ask them these questions, they rate their answer uh, behind the words, you know, somewhat consistently, whatever. You have a number, Right. So most of our clients have five possible answers. For example, you know, never would be zero, rarely 2.5, somewhat consistently five, consistently 7.5, always 10. Right. So that's how you then get the total. So the questions cause a person to think about their experience. And as they think with their intellect about their experience, um, they might not be able to name their emotions, but that's okay. They're just telling us what their experience is. We can unpack the motions behind the
1: question. Does that make sense? Mm, It does. Yeah. So it's just making sure that when you ask the questions is, so what what it sounds like to me then is if you want to understand how engaged your employees are, you you, you shouldn't just wing together a couple of survey questions on your own and and, and send it out, but rather be very intentional about the wording, the phrasing, how the question is is presented so that employees are relying on intellect and uh, reflecting on experience rather than trying to interpret how something made them feel.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Be- beautiful. Well, That's beautiful. because based on their experience, the feeling is below it. Right. You know? Of course.
3: Yep. But, Absolutely.
2: But, and, and we'll get the feeling by unpacking the answers, mm-hmm. but we want to make it really easy for them to intellectually answer. Right. Um, and then of course there's a comment field, which is gold right? The gold comes through the comment field. Every question has a comment field. So people can add any additional comments where there's always some juicy stuff that people tell you. And that's, so where, you, and that's
1: where you can get a little more depth to, you know, yeah. beyond the the five points for one question. You get five points and, and yeah. a little narrative there. Now, all of a sudden, you have a really great understanding of how does this person feel, right? In, in whatever yeah. aspect that, that question is speaking to. That's fantastic.
2: Can I have just like a minute or two to go over the outcome frame?
1: Oh, please. Absolutely. The microphone is yours.
2: (laughs) It's really important because this is how we help shift somebody's state. Okay. So here we are in our present state and we're like, darn it. I want something else. Okay. That's the present state. The desired state is what do you want? But have you guys ever noticed that a lot of people don't actually know what they want? Mm -hmm, They know what they don't want. (laughs) So, So before you do an outcome frame, if people don't know what they want, find out what they don't want. I don't want so much stress. I don't want so much work, you know, whatever. I don't want to be in the weeds so much, whatever they don't want and then find a positive alternative. So if you didn't have so much stress, what would you have? What's the opposite? Oh, well um, I'd have more peace. Good. Okay. So that's what they would like. So here come the six questions. These are guiding a person into their desired state. When you use the outcome frame, please linger. Do this for at least 10 minutes, ideally 15 minutes, really answering, asking the questions, really drawing out lots of answers, because the person's brain then will actually take them into that future desired state, and they will say, oh, this is delicious. I actually want to create this. If you do one too quickly, it'll be, well, that's just a fantasy. They won't actually fire enough visual auditory kinesthetic cues to frankly believe it. Question Mm -hmm. number one what would you like? So I'm going to give you guys an example for each one. What would you like? So that's like a a positive outcome that you can create and maintain. It's not for Brad Pitt to give me a million dollars. Okay, what would you like? Um, I would like more strategic time. Okay, so something you can create and maintain, something you can own um, the outcome of. And then number two, what will having that do for you? How will you feel? What will the benefits be? Well, with more strategic time, I'll feel more engaged and energized, like I'm really making a difference to the business. I'll feel proud and peaceful and powerful. I'll sleep better at night. I'll be more fun to be around, etc. cetera. Question number three, how will you know when you have it? This is the proof question. So the person wants more strategic time. How will you know when you have it? Ah, I'll have more strategic time when I spend two hours or more each week on strategy and visioning when I cut the number of meetings I attend by 25%, when my direct reports are at leadership level five or more. Good, now we've got some proof, okay? So as we implement this plan, we can check back to make sure we got it. Here comes question number four, this is my favorite. What of value, what that you value, might you risk or lose? What side effects may occur? So this is basically what might they have to let go of or what might change? Okay, so hmm, to get more strategic time, oh shoot. You know, I may initially feel less important, less involved in the minutia. Ooh, have to let go of some control, Uh, resist the temptation to rescue people, and then invest time in cultivating and um, cultivating my directs, right, more powerfully. Okay, huh, all right, so I'm gonna have to do that stuff if I want more strategic time, huh? I never actually thought about that. See, question number four helps you realize why you don't have it now. Question number five, where with whom would you like it? Well, I want it within 45 days. I want it at work. I want it with my direct reports. Easy. Question number six, what are your next steps? So I want to set up recurring meetings in my calendar uh, and one-on-ones to offload some work, to build leadership, to determine which meetings to skip, uh, to to, um, set up my recurring strategic time. Um, I need to roll out effective uh, meetings and delegation processes. I need to create a plan so that this can really be my reality within 45 days or less so as we take them through these six questions and i just did super fast one right we want it we want them to uh really have a chance to test drive what that would be like if they had it Mm. you can do outcome frames in a group one of our clients launched a product it wasn't really well accepted by the market because frankly they didn't do enough customer research everybody was pointing fingers everybody was mad the ceo gathered everybody up okay guys Okay, engineering team, that's that's angry. Let's sit down. Let's do a group outcome frame. What would we like? Well, you know, we want a product that works, that our customers like. Okay, good. What will having that do for us? He walks them through an outcome frame. Fast forward four months, new product out in the market, customers super happy. And by the time the meeting was over of actually doing the outcome frame, everybody was liking each other again. The blaming (laughs) was over and they were in action. Okay. Mm -hmm. Great tool to use alone, individually, uh, with a team. Use it at home. I use an outcome frame with my mom when she was dying of leukemia and she was really angry, Mm. you know, and she said, You know what? I don't want to be angry anymore. Good. Okay. What will having that do for you? Well, I'll be nicer. You know, I'll feel better, you know. So we did an outcome frame, gosh, a month before she passed away. And her last month was a lot more pleasant than the stuff was before then.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I love how this is like the center of driving change. Everyone, I think, is in favor for change, but no one wants to actually do it. And it, <laughs> when you get to that point where you're like, "I want to change," you're like, "Okay, we have we have a perfect strategy here to help you get there." Yeah. Uh, so, so how do you how do you help people who are less willing? You know, because I'm sure that in your consulting and as you go into organizations, you've probably got buy in from upper management, but employees are kind of dragging their heels like we we don't want to we don't want to talk about our feelings we don't want to go through these questions um how do you combat something like that
2: yeah um and and it goes back to finding out what they would like or not like Mm. because if they're resisting right if they haven't quite consented yet if they're resisting what is it that they're resisting if that wasn't there or that, and, and, and look at what they're resisting. Well, this is a really stupid policy. Ah, how specifically is it stupid? Well, it's gonna waste a bunch of our time. It's gonna um, require us to, you know, be more bureaucratic. It's going to da da Ah, okay, so around this policy, what would you like? Well, I'd like for it to go away. Okay, well, if we can't do that, what else would you like? How could we modify your experience of this policy? You know, And then, they, then we can start to go, well, if it just was less annoying in this, this, and this way, okay, ah, good. Okay, so now we've got some input. Because people are, in change, people will initially resist.
3: Mm. We find
2: out what they resist, and then we can actually start moving them forward. Here's what's great. We find that when organizational change occurs, people resist and then they mock, and some CEOs really don't like mockery, executives don't like mockery, I think mockery is awesome. Mm, If people aren't mocking it, yeah, if people aren't mocking it, then they're probably apathetic, which is the worst, right? Mm. If They're just like apathetic, indifferent, you kind of need to like poke them with a sharp stick, you know, Mm -hmm. to to get some energy going, right? So mockery is great, because they're actually (laughs) weirdly emotionally engaged there's they some desire enough.
0: behind it they care about yes
2: they yeah. care enough to tell you what's stupid about it that's awesome mm, you know then if it. it were a little bit less stupid would you try it <sighs> yeah okay before you know it you're going through this mockery usefulness loop and then before you know it it's habitual it's a new behavior you bask in the afterglow until the next change <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> i love it that's so yeah that was Wow. The
2: humor around this stuff, you know, it's kind of gnarly. You know? Yeah, that's awesome.
0: And and do you find like you you can break through? I, I mean, oh
2: yeah,
0: because all of a sudden you are you are the embodiment of helping them feel safe, helping them feel belonging, letting them know that they matter, and like that mockery, I'm sure, begins to kind of give way to positive, constructive feedback and and moving in the right direction.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the only time mockery is a problem is if somebody tries to shut it down. Mm. And that's not a very wise leader. Because if a leader says, ah, what specifically is lame, stupid, whatever the person said? If they said, this is really lame. Ah, what specifically is lame about it? I mean, they just, they're, they're opening the door to tell you some really useful stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know? So like leaders get intimidated and mm. they shut it down, they miss all the juice. Mm -hmm. what are you
1: gonna say i just said sounds like you you, the the leader really has to uh check that ego right i mean if if, uh if they're unwilling if they're unwilling to um uh, what is the word face some negative responses then you know they're yeah or they make it personal personal. you know they're like like, oh "Ah." they don't like
0: me because of this whatever Mm -hmm. when it's really about the organization itself or yeah. it's really about the employees who are the ones complaining. This is how it's changing their personal life for not, not the good of the organization.
1: Because it's, it's, to, to some extent, everything in, in the organization is personal, right? Just like, just like this element of, of appreciating that emotion is, is such, a, such an integral part of who we are. You know, every company policy, every company decision, um, you know, it has a personal effect on the employees. And so in that way, you know, I think as leaders, we have to realize that, yeah, it is personal. You know, and so when people sometimes yeah. have these mockery moments, um, it's it's because there's a, maybe not a personal attack, but a, a personal something that's happening to them that, uh, you know, that they don't appreciate.
2: So. You know what? Okay, that's a great point. So here, here's shorthand for that. Um, whatever the human behavior is that is quoted, quotes, problematic, first look at what that person is asking for. And there's only three answers. Let's make it really easy. Is that behavior saying that they want more safety? Is that behavior saying that they want more belonging and they're feeling isolated and disconnected? Is that behavior saying that they want more mattering and they don't feel that they're being acknowledged and appreciated? I tell you guys, seriously, over 30, 35 years, what I've noticed is beneath every human behavior challenge, it's just a lack of safety or belonging or mattering. Mm. Yeah, we get down there and then we go, oh, they're not feeling safe, you know, so right. we sit down with them and, and they tell us, you know, they're feeling frustrated or how, whatever word they're they're using. And then we start to unpack it. What specifically, how specifically compared to what specifically. And then we start to create a plan and a backup plan and a backup plan to the backup plan. And we say, hey, let's do this together. Really important word brings lots to safety, belonging, mattering. Um, I've got your back, right? We start using all sorts of phrases and words to help them have the experience of safety, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Yeah, and that, that, that psychological depth just brings such a, a refreshing approach to this, man, because so many times we see a problem, solve the problem. When it yeah. takes a little bit more time to, to dig a little deeper, see the emotions that are tied to it and how we can, Um, get there I I just I'm I'm I love that approach and
1: what's interesting too is is I think it's on the surface seems like it takes more time but I I would I would I would bet and this is a a question for you do you think that net you actually save time because you're able to address the real problem sooner as opposed to potentially quote-unquote guessing and and trying to solve it Mm -hmm. that way Uh,
2: yes you it, it may look like it takes more time But it builds loyalty and all of your future challenges will be much, much faster. Because the greatest, greatest level of rapport, the greatest level of rapport and valuing a person is in valuing and honoring their emotional experience.
1: All right, Twitter, prepare yourselves.
2: (laughs) Yeah, if somebody is frustrated, be there with them. You know, don't negate it. If somebody is angry, you know, be there with them and let them express that. Let them move through it, you know, unpack it. What specifically is making you angry? How? You know, be interested enough to actually find out what's beneath that emotional experience. Then, good old outcome frame. Okay, cool. Now that we've experienced it, and now what would you like? Mm. And you'll get a You'll get them through it so much faster. And then what's cool is your brand internally in the, in the organization starts becoming um, insight. So gosh, you know, when I talked with Alexander or whenever I talked with Josh, I have all these cool insights, you know, it's a great brand for you guys, you know, to be an insight creator, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. Which then, which then that internal brand, right? Translates very, very smoothly to the external brand, which mm-hmm. is... Yep. Yep. what the organization you know, was created for, right? to create a positive experience for their customers.
0: Christine, this, yeah. has been a, uh, this has been a wonderful conversation. As we're starting to wrap it up, you have some great tools available and some great resources out there. Uh, what's the best way for um, those individuals listening who are trying to get started in all of this, they want to make a difference and they don't know how to get started, wh- where, where would you point them to?
2: Yes. So if everyone can just go to work with S. TI, which is short for Smart Tribes Institute, work with STI.com. You can let us know what your top priorities are, culture, leadership, um, sales marketing, and we will then um, send you resources on a monthly basis, cool neuro tools, etc., and share this stuff with your folks. We're on a mission to help a million people become emotionally resilient this year, so Share all the stuff that you learned. I know it's going to help your team work much better together. And then we'll put the emotion wheel and the outcome frame, and a link to power your tribe, so you can use some of these tools more easily on the show page. Awesome. Oh, we're also going to put a link to the emotional resilience assessment and um, and the little mini course. Yeah,
0: yeah which I think is the, the I really think much. that's the big win, right? The emotional resilience yeah. info course. There, there's so much to unpack there. We will definitely be including those notes in the description. And and as we close here, Christine. Any last bit of wisdom that you'd like to share with us? (laughs) In
1: addition to the amazing wisdom (laughs) that we've already gotten to this.
2: So if, if as leaders, if we can, if we can stop judging people and start to notice that in every situation, a person is seriously, they're picking the best feeling emotion available on their menu. They're feeling the best feeling. They're picking the best feeling behavior, if you will, on their behavioral menu. And sometimes the behavioral menu is really limited. Like when someone's going through a performance review, right, they might not have that many choices. Well, I can be defensive or I can be scared, right? So our job as leaders is to help people expand their behavioral menu by teaching them these tools to become more emotionally resilient, by paying attention if they're asking for safety, belonging, mattering, by meeting them where they are. So if we want to see greater range of behavior or specific behaviors more of, it is our opportunity to lead our people to those new behaviors.
0: So insightful.
1: So great. Honestly. Amazing.
0: Thank
3: <laughs> you I, so much. I, 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 half the time
1: I've been thinking about my marriage going, okay. <laughs> I yeah, need,
2: use these tools in to your marriage. This. Seriously.
3: Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: this would be great. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been thinking about my co-host. <laughs>
2: 100%, 100%. your work marriage
0: <laughs> alright you guys lost. I'm
2: going to email you the stuff I promise you
0: we'll get working on it we'll pick- hold us accountable yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so thank you very much for joining us today
3: we appreciate it yeah, take care.
2: thank you guys